WCNC Charlotte. This is Flashpoint. Thanks for joining us here on Flashpoint. I'm Ben Thompson. Today we continue our conversations with the Charlotte City Council candidates. That's coming up in just a few minutes. But first, a topic that doesn't get nearly enough attention, maternal health. The United States maternal health stats are among the worst in the developed world. According to the CDC, approximately 700 women die each year in the United States as a result of pregnancy or delivery complications. Black women, three to five more times more likely to die than white women in the U.S. That's why for the past five years, this week, past week, has been designated as Black Maternal Health Week. It's a cause North Carolina Congresswoman Alma Adams has fought for for years, including introducing the Momnibus last year, as it's called. It builds on existing maternal health legislation with in all 12 bills to comprehensively address the maternal health crisis in the United States. Joining us today, Congresswoman Alma Adams. Congresswoman, thanks for coming on. Well, thank you for inviting me, Ben. It's good to be here. Um, uh, it, it's a real pleasure. Yeah, nice to have you as always. All right, let's talk about this. Why in the world, when, when we look at these, some of these stats and, and we say that black women are, are three to five more times as likely to die than white women in the U.S., how did we, how did we get here? People probably hear that and, and are stunned to hear it. Well, this is, uh, it, it is a, it's a crisis, actually, and uh, that's why we're uh, moving ahead this week with our fifth anniversary uh, because uh, maternal health and black maternal health in particular have been declining in this country. And so the gap in care has been widening and we've got to address the problem. So uh, we understand it. Uh, and because we, ha we do understand it, we've developed some solutions. And so uh, the um, black maternal health momnibus is uh, the solution that we feel. But I, I just think that um, we have overlooked this problem. Uh, we've had uh, issues um, with our with our with our health professionals and women who have not been taken very seriously in terms of the pain that they that they may have and so forth and things have just gone unnoticed and unattended. So we want to call attention back to uh, this issue again. And you're right, uh, this situation is worse today than it was 25 years ago. I mean, if you can imagine that. that 25 years ago, it was a lot better. I, I, th I think that's astonishing to a lot of people. I don't want to get to the details of the mom and must bill uh, coming up in just a second, but I mean, for, for all the strides that people talk about and, and all the pride that we take upon ourselves sometimes and, and making things better, specifically for vulnerable communities in this country, this is a case of where things have not only gotten worse, but they've gotten noticeably worse. Absolutely, absolutely, and uh, we 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 are our country is worse than 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 any any other place, and I, I just think that uh, it's really um, it, it's really a crisis. And even in our state, North Carolina, uh, we we have some serious problems here as well. Okay, so how how are we going to solve this issue? I know there's the Mommy-Must bill, which is which is a collection of twelve different bills, honestly, that I know you have passed in the House. Um, and the Senate has has yet to act. Um, what all does this uh, comprise? Uh, this omnibus. Well, first of all, like you said, we have we have we have a package of twelve bills. We started with nine, and because of the the climate situation, because of what was going on with the pandemic, uh, we added additional bills. Um, these bills address social determinants of health. Uh, we uh, they um, address women who are incarcerated women who have served uh and um, i think it just covers it's a comprehensive package 
and um, we we believe that uh, we're going to be able to to really come up with some uh, remedies for women as a result of these this, these bills. But you know, as you said, these bills passed as a, as a full package out of the House and the Senate. As a matter of fact, the Build Back Better, as the president was trying to put together, included all of them. Uh, so uh, we started a couple of years ago with uh, Senator, then Senator Kamala Harris and I uh, introduced the Black Maternal Health Monibus Act in, uh, two years ago in 2020 because of the state of maternal health in this country and because it is in crisis. And so we introduced the Monibus and when we did that, the country went into lockdown uh, for the first time due to the COVID-19. So we had to do a lot of work to keep the black <clears throat> black maternal health as a part of the conversation. And so the first bill, Monibus bill, has been signed into law. Uh, I joined uh, President Biden, <clears throat> excuse me, for the signing of the Protecting Moms to Serve Act last year. And so we've had, we have other big bills in the package that have passed the House or on various stages of the legislative process, some in committee, committees. The most important is that all of the el eligible provisions of the Monibus were included as I said before, in the Build Back Better. Um, in addition to postpartum Medicaid expansion, um, you know, the Monibus provides uh, a number of provisions, investing in social determinants of health that influence maternal health outcomes. It, it would also fund community-based organizations and um, help with maternal health outcomes, invest in historically black colleges and universities to train culturally competent health professionals. We found that that's a problem too. We got to make sure that our health professionals are culturally competent in terms of the people, who, the women who they see. Uh, climate change was another thing. So one of the bills uh, addresses the effects of COVID-19 and the climate change on mothers. So it's a comprehensive approach, approach to the crisis. Uh, we've never tried it before, but it is. Uh, this is really vital and it really can't wait. We're talking about 60% of maternal deaths are preventable. We're on, we're, our nation is one of 13 countries in the world where the rate of maternal mortality is worse than it was 25 years ago. And when I think about when I had my children, things were a lot better. Uh, but we have um, a lot of near misses here um, in this country, pregnancy-related complications uh, that endanger the life, life of, of mothers and, 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 and the children. I had a near miss with my daughter. So, you know, it doesn't matter what your socioeconomic status is, how much money you have, how much insurance you have, it impacts anyone. And it, it, we should say that, that to your point right there, um, it, it, it's across all walks of life. I mean, when you talk about uh, women who are at risk, we're talking about veterans. Um, we're talking about, you mentioned incarcerated folks as well, Native Americans. Um, it, it encapsulates a lot of different groups that we often don't think about. Yeah, you're, you're exactly right. And, um, you know, I've, I've talked with women all over the country, uh, either who are survivors or have been victims of the uh, maternal health crisis or they survived it themselves. And so, as you said, it transcends, transcends uh, educational levels, wealth, insurance status. It can happen to anybody and it should not. But we all have got mamas and, and we need to be taking care of them, and, and especially in the greatest country in the world. Uh, we, we have to be doing right by them, especially from the very beginning of the process. Congresswoman Alma Adams. Congresswoman, thanks for coming on Flashpoint. As always, we appreciate it. Well, thank you so much, and you have a great day. All right, you too. More Flashpoint after this.
Welcome back to Flashpoint. Today we continue our interviews with the Charlotte City Council at-large candidates. And today we're talking with Dipple Ajmira, who's looking to get reelected. Dipple, thanks for coming on. We appreciate it. Absolutely. Thank you so much, Ben, for having me. Um, starting all these interviews the same way, ending them as, uh, the same way as well. I'll begin with um, what is, if you are reelected, what is your number one priority? My number one priority continues to be the same thing, which is tackling our upward mobility. Um, and, and to that point, um, whether it's whether it's uh, you know uh, living wages, whether it's affordable housing, it continues to be a, um, an issue here in Charlotte. Th this past week, I, I know you all at City Council uh, passed um, some affordable housing projects, but as we know, um, it, it only goes very short distance to actually address the problem. Absolutely, you are absolutely correct. Uh, it's just the drop in the ocean, and I do recognize that. So when we talk about affordable housing, it's going to take more than city's resources to address the root of the issue, which means ensuring that we have workforce development initiatives that we continue to invest in, and also ensure that there is public transportation so people don't have to spend on average $6,000 a year on owning a car. So if we can have jobs that pay a livable wage, uh, we can really close the gap. So uh, we approved over 600 units on Monday, but that's just the drop in the ocean, and I recognize that. So specifically when it comes to affordable housing, because I know there's a much larger issues with the upper mobility you can talk about here, but specifically, what then could be the next thing you all do? Really, the next thing that council will be focused on or continues to stay focused on, on really addressing our transportation issues. We have our, our transportation system that is not reliable and that is not efficient. And we need funding to address our reliability and efficiency issues with our public transportation system. Currently, it takes an individual from, to get from point A to point B, it takes over an hour. And that is unacceptable for a city that is the size of ours, 15th largest city in the nation. I'm a product of public transportation system. When our family didn't own a car, we use public transportation system to get to work, to get to grocery store, to get to a doctor's appointment. And I can tell you with our public transportation system that we have, it's not reliable. Uh, people can't really use it to get to work. And we have to address that there are so many residents that do not own a car. So we have seen that uh, in news about how people just can't rely on that system to get to wherever they need to go on time. But so what are you all gonna do about it? And I've had multiple city council members on here um, including the mayor pro tem recently talking about this issue because it now looks like that this is not gonna be um, something that can go on the ballot um, in time for this fall, because I know Raleigh has to sign off on it if there's uh, any sort of tax increase that comes along with this. So it's not going to happen this year. So, so what's it going to finally take to break through and get some consensus on this? So, Ben, you are absolutely right. It, we are nowhere near uh, getting this on the bond referendum. This requires a regional approach. And that's where this is a marathon it's not a sprint and governance is hard let's recognize that so this means we have to get buying from our northern mecklenburg region we have to get buying from them uh 
in order to be successful and which we currently do not have. So at least for next year, our focus should be on building coalitions, on building allies on this important initiative, because this initiative is going to help our entire region, not just Charlotte. Um, this past week, I know, going back to the housing just for a minute, we, we talked about these corporate landlords that are buying up, I think, something like almost 14,000 homes in the Charlotte area. And, and County Commission talked about it this past week. Past week, And, and Pat Cotham actually said, Commissioner Pat Cotham um, said that she feels like this is something that the city should be taking on at this point, um, that it's less about commissioners and what they think, but something that um, the city should be taking on. What, what can we do? Um, about this from a city level about these you guys can't control who buys these homes uh so what then can you do absolutely you're right uh city cannot control who buys land who buys existing apartments we don't have that authority however what we can control is by continuing to invest in our affordable housing we more than triple our investment in affordable housing we went from 15 to 50 million dollars in 2018 and we will continue to do that uh, other thing we can do is to keep folks that are currently living in dilapidated older buildings that are affordable is to continue to keep them affordable it's by investing in NOAAs, which is called naturally occurring affordable housing units so we are being intentional about investing in those so for an example we are competing with private sector where we are also buying dilapidated buildings not as a city but also the proposal that comes forward we are being we are ensuring that those proposals uh do get a priority and they are being looked at fairly so we are intentional about investing in NOAAs, but uh, we also have to ensure that we are giving people an opportunity to earn a livable wage so we are investing in our workforce development initiatives we are investing in programs and recruiting and retain recruiting good paying jobs that are going to provide a livable wage last two questions real quick and if you can answer them quickly uh i'm asking all this all the candidates this question the best thing about charlotte and the thing about charlotte that drives you crazy <sighs> traffic congestion and and then the best part about charlotte the best part of charlotte is our people there you go Deplash Mira. Uh, city council at large candidate also incumbent as well we should say dimple thanks for coming on and, and congratulations on, on on the newly expanded family as well thanks so much ben all right take care more flashpoint after this welcome back to flashpoint now we're talking with david merrill he's a republican running for city council at large david thanks for coming on we appreciate it hey thank you so much uh, all right, give us an idea. Your your number one priority, if elected. Number one is definitely public safety with affordable housing very close behind that. Uh, and tell us why. why. Why public safety? Well, I live in a gentrifying area, and frankly, there's a lot of crime where I live, but I also feel that the Charlotte City, Charlotte Metro Police Department have not been given the resources they need to keep us safe. I see all the crime that's happening in the news locally the additional cat's bus driver that was attacked two days ago, the killing of Ethan Rivera, uh, it is all intertwined together. And the primary responsibility, in my opinion, of the city is to keep all of our citizens safe. And I feel like we could be doing a much better job of that. How do you feel about being a, a, a Republican in what is a uh, predominantly Democrat and also as well as unaffiliated city? Um, how, how do you make that jump 
um, in people's mind and make sure that you actually uh, go from being just a candidate to an actual uh, elected office? Well, I think that's going to be an uphill battle. I think really the people of Charlotte are starting to see that they've been electing the same people in the same positions for years and even decades. And that's a big part of what's gotten us to the position that we're in. I've never had the inclination to run for public office before. This isn't something I'm doing because oh, I think this might be fun. This to me is a call to action. I'm hearing the same calling that a lot of people just a few years older than me heard after 9-11 when they decided to join the military and serve the country. I'm doing this to serve. And I'm doing this to run for two terms. If elected for the first term, I will run for re-election once, and then hopefully have made enough progress moving the city in the right direction that somebody can come behind me, take my position, and do an even better job than what I did. It's not often that we hear uh, commitments like that from candidates this early on. Um, you also mentioned affordable housing. Uh, we know this past week the city council moved to create about 600 new affordable housing units across the city. They admit that that's not nearly enough. Uh, what's your plan on, on what is a, a titanic size issue in the city of Charlotte? It is a massive issue, I hate to say it, but I think the current city council has done a lot to put us in the predicament that we're in now. There's a lot we can do, and frankly, I could talk to you about that for two hours nonstop. So I'll just hit the high points. Really, when it comes to affordable housing, we need to look at both home ownership and affordable places to rent, because we have people to do both of those in the city. One of the main things we need to do to have affordable housing for rental is to eliminate a lot of the bureaucracy with our subsidized programs, such as making it so that applicants can only apply to live in one home at a time, and then there's dead time for that property because they have to wait for inspections to come out. We don't have enough city inspectors to become inspected properties for people to move in. We also need to have a more consolidated plan for requirements because right now we've got intensely complicated leases and addendums that are making things difficult, both for the resident and for the property owner. When it comes to home ownership, there are great ways we can subsidize this through programs such as first-time home buyers assistance, tax incentives for builders and developers, and then also revitalizing current inventory. One of the big problems we have is we only have so much land here in Charlotte, and a lot of it's designed for single-family homes, which is great, but we're running out of spaces to build. What can we do about transit um, in this next session of the City Council uh, with new blood on the, on the council to try to get something done. We need to improve our buses. Uh, we need to increase the frequency that they arrive at their stops with better planning. We need to improve bus driver safety. And we need to make sure that we have safe places for people to onboard and offboard on our city buses. Final question, uh, it's a two-parter. Uh, the best thing about Charlotte and the thing that drives you crazy about Charlotte. I absolutely love living here. I moved here 10 years ago, uh, just before the DNC. I've lived in South Charlotte originally. I just moved to West End from East Charlotte. I was about halfway between Uptown and the Matthews area. And it's a phenomenal place. I remember joking around with friends and they said, there's nothing to do with Charlotte. And I, get, I keep thinking, what's wrong with you guys? There's so much things, so many things to do here. This is a place where you can walk to a brewery, find a new restaurant. You could eat at a different restaurant every single day for a year. You can go to our phenomenal parks, our greenways. You can constantly see me running in the greenways, walking my dogs. There's just so much to do here. It's an exciting place to live, and I really want to help improve upon that. And I think one of the things that really frustrates me the most really ties to both what we talked about, the affordable housing and the transportation. I take the gold line frequently, and it is almost always late. I went to the Knights game two days ago for the home opener. The gold line was late, so I ended up walking about a mile home. And I got to my stop before the train did. 
I think that and another big reason that I'm running that I've mentioned a few times, affordable housing. My area is gentrifying and there's a person that lives on my street whose house was probably worth sixty or seventy thousand dollars ten years ago. There's a house that's built, being built across the street from him that's worth about a million dollars. That neighbor that's been in the neighborhood for quite some time is part of the fabric of this community. And at some point soon, he's going to be priced out of this neighborhood. And this is one of the biggest reasons affordable housing is so important to me because I want that neighbor to be able to live here as long as he wants to. And when he's ready, sell that property at a great price and he'll do very well by himself and for his family. But I never want to see him pressed out of a neighborhood before he's ready. The uh, situation facing a lot of neighborhoods, uh, especially around Uptown Charlotte right now. All right, listen, David Merrill, thanks right. for coming on. We certainly appreciate it. Thank you. Have a great day. More Flash went after this. Come interact with us on social media. If there's something you want us to talk about here, let us know. And we'll see you back here next weekend.